Welcome to the March edition of the Closing the Gap po podcast, uh, sponsored by the Mid-Valley STEM CTE Hub. I'm super excited today to talk with Barbara Hanley. She's our featured role model for the month of March. Uh, welcome, Barbara. Thank you, Chris. It's, it's great to be here. Well, I always like to start with a icebreaker. And if you've listened to the first podcast, I, I, I probably should change the question around a little bit. But um, I like this question, actually, because I do the same thing when I go into classrooms, uh, either in person or virtually, to talk with kids. So usually my first question is, as a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? So let's start oh. off with that. Yeah, that's a great question. I, I wanted to be an astronaut. Um, my dad worked in uh, the aviation field. He was in the military uh, and took care of airplanes. And um, when uh, he retired and would get bored, we would uh, just drive down to the airport and watch planes take off. Uh, he was also um, really interested in the, in the NASA program and the space program. So... Yeah, I wanted to be an astronaut. Um, unfortunately, there weren't, or at least I wasn't aware of uh, many women uh, in the um, uh, space program at that time. But um, yeah, one of my um, things that I would tell my uh, friends is I wanted to be the, um, the obstetrician uh, astronaut that delivered the first baby in space. <laughs> Oh, wow. That's super cool. That's great. Well, you and I have this in common because I also wanted to be an astronaut. And, oh, uh, so so you and I possibly are really enjoying this uh, NASA renaissance. Absolutely. Right now. Yeah. yeah. And the Mars exploration. We follow yeah. that very closely. It's, same here. It's very cool. And well, and then what you mentioned is exactly why we're doing this kind of project. Um, you, girls can't be what they can't see. And, and we want uh, to really get the word out there because there's so much underrepresentation um, in STEM careers and fields. Uh, tell us a little bit about your current job and what your work looks like every day. My current job uh, is uh, a little unusual. Um, I currently work for Oregon Health Sciences University as a research associate in the institution, or sorry, the Institute of Occupational Health Sciences. Um, I work in a program that's funded by the CDC through the National Institute of Occupational uh, Safety and Health, or NIOSH. And the program I work with is the Fatality Assessment and Control Evaluation Program, or FACE. Um, so I uh, work with Oregon OSHA and other uh, agencies to investigate workplace fatalities and try to identify the root causes of, um, that led up to those fatalities and then uh, write a report and communicate to um, agencies and employers about those underlying causes with the hope that if we can identify those causes, we can prevent um, a, a tragedy like that from happening again. Wow, that's really interesting. Um, thank you for sharing that. What so how did you get into a position like this? What, what, tell us a little bit about your educational background and, and, and how that helped lead you to your current work. Certainly. Yeah, I, I have kind of a circuitous path <laughs> in my educational background. Um, it was really a big deal 
for my parents that all of their children, and there's eight of us, um, that we that we go to college um, because they did not have that opportunity. And uh, I was a pretty good student in high school. I had uh, really inspiring uh, teachers in science and math um, that just were very encouraging and made science fun. Um, when I graduated um, and from high school, I was accepted to Northwestern, but shortly after I graduated high school, my father died and that, that changed the whole financial picture of um, what was available to me. Um, my mom had recently moved to Colorado, so I decided to go to Colorado University in Boulder. And I had enrolled in pre-med courses and you know, science-y courses, but um, I had to quit for financial reasons. And uh, in that time, I also uh, got married and had a baby. And uh, I went back a few more, uh, went back a few years later uh, and had saved some money for, for college and uh, pursued a science education degree. I decided I wanted to be a, a science teacher um, instead. And I got to teach um, middle school science and math uh, in a class where the, um, some of the other teachers had told me that um, this was a, a really kind of a rough class to teach because these were like 11, 12, 13 year old uh, kids that um, didn't really, you know, weren't really interested in science and math, but I loved it. I try, you know, I would stay up late designing experiments that I thought would capture the kids' attention and then intrigue them enough to get them uh, interested in the underlying scientific principles uh, behind those experiments. So we would um, make rockets and launch rockets out in the in the quad uh, at the school. Um, we you know, experimented with um, the explosions. The boys in the class loved the explosions. Um, and so that was really fun for me. And um, I decided I wanted to, to to keep doing that, but I needed to find more um, uh, more income. So I was looking for a part-time job and HP uh, Hewlett Packard was recruiting uh, at my school and um, they hired me. And I thought, well, you know, I'll work with them uh, for a few years to get out of debt and save some money for grad school. Um, the pay was quite good um, and it was really interesting work. And I ended up getting job transferred to Oregon uh, and finally completed my uh, undergraduate degree in general science, focusing on environmental chemistry, which is um, an interdisciplinary program of chemistry, toxicology, and environmental science. And I had begun a graduate degree program uh, when I was job transferred to Ireland. Uh, when I returned from Ireland, I had a uh, health crisis. Um, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And um, I decided that working for a large corporation and making a rich company richer <laughs> wasn't exactly what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. So that's when I uh, you know, had many discussions with my family and I decided that I wanted to be a teacher again because that's when I felt the most fulfilled. So I enrolled in OSU, Oregon State University, in their um, uh, public health program. 
and have just been you know, either working full time and going to school part time or um, when I retired from HP, I started going to school full time. So I got a master's degree in public health and a teaching certificate for adult education. And I'm uh, currently a PhD candidate in environmental and occupational health and uh, hope to finish that program uh, by the end of this year. And so that educational experience plus the teaching uh, that I did it um, as a graduate teaching assistant at OSU, that kind of led me into this opportunity at OHSU. I appreciate you sharing all that just because, uh, you know, it's, it's really interesting to me to hear how people get into the positions they're in. So I appreciate you sharing that. Sure. Um, especially for people who are going into PhDs, you know, it's, it just doesn't seem like, though I've, I've come across, you know, PhDs who, students who just have been straight through all their, you know, undergrad, graduate, PhD. So I, but I'm really interested in hearing about people who come to that path later in their careers. And, uh, you know, as we talked with Brittany last month, she was a stay-at-home mom, has got, went back to school, become a machinist. You know, that's the stuff that, that's always really interesting to me. And I, th and I think a lot of people listening could appreciate that. Yeah, um, I was really inspired by Brittany's story. Um, and, and you're right, Chris, I, I think the thought of, when I was in high school, I, I thought it was very linear that I would, you know, take pre-med courses. I would go to medical school. I'd become a doctor or, you know, a research scientist. And um, I only know one person <laughs> who that actually was the path they took. Most people I know, um, they started off in one field and at some point they changed majors or they graduated in the field that they were going to, or thought they would work in. Uh, maybe they worked there a little while and they realized, you know, this isn't really what I want to do with my life. So mm -hmm. that's the beauty of it though, is you can always find other opportunities, especially in STEM, because STEM is that field that is continually changing and advancing. Exactly, great point. Um, what have been some of your proudest moments or highlights or accomplishments of your career so far? Well, I, I'm most happy uh, and fulfilled um, being a teacher, uh, working with students, um, trying to um, present scientific principles in a way that any student can understand. I'm a, I'm a firm believer in uh, students can only learn what they're taught and not every student learns the same way. So the, the challenge for me is to um, take this information and present it in a way that every student understands it. Um, they might not remember it a year from now, but at least at, at that point, um, they will understand what it's, what it is I'm trying to teach. And it is gratifying when you see that light in their eyes, when, when they get it, <laughs> when the light bulb comes on, um, and it's energizing, uh, for me, um, to be witness to that. So that's, 
a proud moment. Um, I like that I, um, uh, sorry, I just blanked again. Um, anyway, that's a proud moment. Um, I, I'm not teaching right now because I'm finishing up my dissertation and I do miss engaging with the students, but what I've been trying to do is stay engaged with uh, community activities and the advisory capacity. Um, I'm also uh, proud of my involvement in the, um, the electronics uh, recycling program when I work for HP and um, also with the multi-stakeholder groups um, that I got a chance to work with, uh, promoting green chemistry and sustainability in the electronics industry. Yes, that sounds really interesting. Uh, I, I remember reading that about you and uh, you've just had such a diverse um, set of work experiences and uh, I can relate to the, I, I'm not a formal teacher, but you know, just in informal uh, settings and some of the groups I work with, uh, I really also thrive when I see kids succeeding or that light bulb going off or uh, seeing kids try something that they didn't think they could ever do or have been used to being told they're not very smart or whatever. And then, you know, they're putting together our robot and things like that so I, you know we have a lot in common <laughs> as as we get to know each other more yeah i as you were speaking chris it reminded me of my middle school uh, algebra teacher um and that's when i you know i <laughs> had not necessarily been told that I wasn't smart but i have i come from a family of boys and i'm the only girl and my, my parents were older and, and a little um, of that generation where, you know, the expectations for girls was, was different. Um, and my middle school math teacher would put a problem up on the board and then want us to work at it. And then we would, you know, the students would, you know, say the answer and he would write answers up on the board and I never spoke up. I was, I was pretty shy, but this one time I, I was, don't know why I, I said an answer and, and I was the only one that said the answer that uh, he wrote up on the board. And then, you know, after everybody was done um, saying what they thought was the answer, then he would circle the right answer and in this particular case, he circled my answer. And I can't, I mean, I still remember that moment, you know, decades later. That's when, for me, I realized I can do this. I can do math. Yeah. Yeah, math is one of my, uh, I'm actually pretty good at math. And, you know, I have a daughter with severe math anxiety that has subsided just basically from showing her that math can be fun. And uh, so we played a lot of dice games at the beginning of the pandemic and things like that. And, uh, you know, now she's getting B's in math and it's like super success. So <laughs> that's fantastic. Uh, and yeah. 
I think, yeah, I don't know where the, the math anxiety comes from. I know that I experienced it. Um, it, I can't pinpoint any one thing in my life that, um, that created it, but I do know when I finally realized I could do it, it opened up so many doors For sure. because For sure. math is, you know, fundamental to everything. And I think also kids don't realize they use math every day. Like if they're into sports, yep. Yep. <laughs> They're doing fractions and and um, and percentages and um, yeah. There's. I, I oh. wish we taught math different. I wish we started with teaching statistics, and mm. then went to like algebra or trig or or something like right. that. Trying to teach kids abstract numbers like a equals, you know. Right. B squared <laughs> divided by two. That's that's not sticking in their brains as if you said, all right, let's look at how the beavers did in the NCAA. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. <laughs> yep. Go beavers. <laughs> you know, or or asking them, so when they got kicked out of their hotel at 1:30 in the morning, that was how many hours and minutes after the game? All right. <laughs> 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 Well, my, my thing with math as a kid was I was obsessed with sports and sports statistics. So I used to take the newspaper and the box scores and the newspaper and track my favorite teams or players statistics and then add them up every week. So, and then I did it, adding them up every month. And then I, yeah, I was pretty, but that was my, I became so good at math and doing math in my head and doing division in my head and learning about averages and learning how to figure out batting average and things like that. Anyway, you know, sports are such a, it's that whole real world math application. I feel like we could do a whole podcast on that with some, there's some great folks that have come across on Twitter who are doing amazing stuff with math and, and we're going to be doing some stuff with the hub. I think that could be fun. So we'll see how all that goes. Yeah. That's uh, great. I'm looking forward to, to, to learning more about it. Tell us a little bit about um, some of your biggest career challenges. Um, the more I learn, uh, you know, I have a pretty privileged point of view. Uh, but, you know, uh, as I've spent time with uh, the group 500 Women Scientists and read posts and learn about some of the activities and, and kind of see what a lot of, you know, and, and hear a lot of unfortunate stories about uh you know the workplace and and some of the challenges that women have in the workplace so that's something we always want to ask um because we want to uh talk about it and also try and change try and do some some change with our efforts so have, have you experienced any sort of career challenges that would be worth discussing today well i i've certainly experienced career challenges um, uh, because I was um, a young mom <laughs> um, I had to I had to work and um, some of the jobs that were available to me um, were um, not fields that there were a lot of women uh, in 
especially in my early career fields. Um, and I think, you know, looking back, um, although I'm very fortunate to have, you know, had the career experiences that I did, at the time, it felt in some cases that I, I was stuck, like I didn't have options. Um, I had to keep a roof over our heads, <laughs> and food on the table, but I also felt um, like I was being taken advantage of uh, because I was one of the few women um, in the in the workplace. And there were there were times when um, I experienced sexual harassment or discrimination. And being young, um, I'm not sure, you know, I wasn't sure what to do about it. I didn't know who I could turn to. Um, some of the, you know, even in my own family, um, if I mentioned it to one of my brothers, my, my, I still remember this conversation I had with my older brother when I told him that I had been, you know, touched inappropriately. His first question to me was, what were you wearing? Mm. And I wow. was wearing, um, I was actually working in a fab, <laughs> uh, integrated circuit fab. So I was wearing what was um, affectionately called a bunny suit. <laughs> mm-hmm. <Yep. laughs> so um, yeah, that what I was wearing had no bearing on, you know, the fact that uh, I had been, put into that situation. Um, but I, I remember when he asked me that question of feeling shame, like, wow, maybe I did do something to deserve this. And so feeling stuck uh, in that situation, I, I think it also motivated me to try to find ways to get out of that situation. And like you said, as far as coming from a place of privilege, um, I'm a, a white woman. So I have, I have, I want to acknowledge that, that um, it is, even though it wouldn't have been as easy, um, I think if I was a white man, um, I still had opportunities and privileges that uh, people of color and especially women of color may not have had in, in the, um, in the chance to change the situation that I was in. Thank you, Barbara, for sharing that. Um, yeah, we, 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 we want to be able to, uh, continue to make strides and, and, um, acknowledge that hopefully, uh, those things that have happened don't happen as much, but, you know, of course they still happen. And uh, we're trying to educate all sorts of people and try and make, uh, as we try and bring young women into these fields, you know, that sometimes maybe it's a case of the more, you know, to be kind of prepared and, and hopefully they get the opposite support and uh, acknowledgement and, uh, that's really, there's a re, good reason for us doing so much of this work. Uh, I have uh, I have a young daughter myself and I don't know what path she's gonna take, but uh, I want her to know about 
all the good things about these careers, but also um, that there's a potential for challenges just because she's a woman. Yeah. Well, and I think for women or anyone who identifies as a woman, um, any, any minority, I, I would like to think that with social media, with better education and outreach and the Me Too movement of you know, bringing awareness mm-hmm. um, that girls and, and women and those who identify uh, as a minority group hopefully feel more empowered to speak up if they are, um, if they're being harassed or discriminated. That is my hope as well. Yes, that's a great way to put it. Thank you. It was much more eloquent than what I was trying to say. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Uh, Let's change directions a little bit and, and talk about, um, you know, one thing we're trying to do with this is spread the word about career options. Uh, You know, our motto is you can't be what you can't see. I think that applies to all students, not just girls or gender minorities. I think it applies to boys too, because depending on where you grow up and where you live, there there's all sorts of uh, barriers. So, um, what do you think? Uh, what do you think are some things that can be done to help spread the word to women about career options in STEM fields? Well, I I certainly uh, like and support all of the great work that you are doing at the Mid-Valley STEM CTE hub uh, with the closing of the gap, closing the gap program. And um, uh, like we had discussed in the beginning, um, I did not really know that there were women astronauts. And I don't know if that would have changed um, the path that I took. Um, But I think that promoting women uh, that are in these fields, at least provides that view to girls and and women that are looking for career changes um, that they might be able to see themselves in those roles because because another woman is in that role. Mm -hmm. And my hope in being part of this program, um, because I've made several mistakes and starts and stops along the way, and in sharing that, um, I'm hoping that uh, anybody who finds themselves in a similar situation um, can identify with my story and, and realize that it's, it's not that you, you hit setbacks, it's that you don't quit. You, you just be persistent uh, in, in trying to achieve your goals. Um, and my goal right now is, um, you know, finish my PhD and then work as a teacher uh, with undergraduate students and teaching public health courses and uh, doing public health research and engaging with uh, communities to promote public health. Um, but I, I don't know what the future holds, so um, <clears throat> it, it could be something different, but um, yeah, I'm hoping that that's what I can achieve. And as far as the um, the outreach to other young women who might not be aware of careers uh, that are available in STEM, 
um, the Closing the Gap program, um, <clears throat> I would like to see it expanded or at least um, I would like to see partnerships with programs like this in the K through 12 schools. Uh, also added as homeschool curricula or after school programs at the Boys and Girls Club uh, and other places. Um, and I think it's important to remember that you know, the whole purpose of science and technology and engineering and math is to answer a specific question. I, I, I think it gets a little, um, I think the idea of STEM can be a little overwhelming, but the underlying purpose of STEM is to answer specific questions that help society. Um, and the questions might be simple, but the answers can be complex and always lead to more question. And that's, that can seem a little daunting, but that's also the neat part about STEM. There's always something to learn. I wanna thank you for being with us today. Really appreciate your involvement in closing the gap. You're, you're such a wonderful role model and amb ambassador, and uh, we look forward to continuing to work with you in the future. Thank you, Chris. It's, it's been a pleasure and an honor. Yes, I'm uh, very much looking forward to uh, working with the Mid-Valley STEM CTE Hub in the future.